0: Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. In today's episode of Dairy Voice, I'm very pleased to be talking with dairy producer, milk processor, and registered Holstein breeder, Michael Turley. I'm your host, Joel Hastings. Based on his family's fourth generation farm near Greenville, Illinois, Michael was raised with registered Holsteins and after college spent time working in sales and marketing in agribusiness, rounding out his career as a partner and CEO, at Osborne Bar Advertising Agency in St. Louis, one of the nation's top ag agencies. Today he's back on the farm and building on his registered Holstein legacy with a unique dairy processing and retailing business. Michael, welcome to Dairy Voice. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your story. Thanks, Joel. It's an honor to be with you and uh, uh, looking forward to the conversation. Why don't we start a little bit with your uh, family dairy background, uh, which in very much includes registered Holsteins. And then we can kind of move through your career. And then uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your processing and retailing and commercial milk business. I've lived a life that uh, I've, I've I've never
1: known life without the dairy industry or registered Holsteins. It's been a blessing. And uh, as I think most, most of us can admit, uh, sometimes it's a burden because uh, Of our emotions that uh, go into our business planning. I'm fourth generation. Uh, This is a big year for us. 1920, my great-grandfather joined the Holstein Association, and we registered our first animal, and we've been uh, registered uh, ever since, 100 years this year. So it it was a big milestone that we uh, reached uh, the 1st of April, and uh, we've been 100% purebred, registered Holsteins uh, ever since. As most know the industry industry's under a lot of pressure so we're looking for uh, a sustainable model to uh, go forward with and we've always been a, a traditionally small dairy we still milk today just 120 registered holsteins we we love the cows we've done a lot of showing done a lot of breeding and uh, that's our passion so i'd like to maintain that that uh, production model if we can while we uh, Uh, seek to find more value capture in the market space so that's kind of my contribution to the family business is to uh, help us turn that corner.
0: You uh, became uh, involved particularly in the dairy Uh, your dad and mom had had operated the dairy very successfully Uh, your dad passed away a few years ago what kind of prompted you to uh, return to the farm?
1: I just had to get back in the game Joel Um, I, I I had an amazing career in uh, advertising and PR but uh, my heart was always back on the farm. I'm not the cowman my dad was, an amazing breeder and uh, he's left a legacy that we're still benefiting from today in terms of the cow families and the amazing uh, confirmation of the of the of the animals that are on the farm today. That's my dad passed in 2012 and we're still breeding off of uh, his philosophy and uh, enjoying those uh, those animals around around our place. I just really needed to get back in the game when the industry I love has been under so much pressure and we can all feel that no matter what scale our operation is or what part of agribusiness we're involved in. We're involved in the dairy industry, we're under pressure and I just felt like there's some things that the registered Holstein cow had to offer that we were leaving on the table and hadn't activated yet in terms of a, being a marketable asset. So I and pushing all the chips to the middle and the registered Holstein cow is right there. And uh, we're going to see if we can take that and create value with her.
0: I remember speaking with you a few years ago when you were anticipating moving into the, to, I'll call it the retail milk business, although food service, I know has been a big part of your customer base, but we'll, we'll come to that. How did you see moving into and becoming dependent on uh, marketing milk and marketing your own brand and, uh, and selling milk to consumers? It's pretty daunting.
1: Um, it's a big mind shift. You've got to really, uh, and let me preface before I state my, my business strategy. I think it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all types. It's going to take all scale. The big guys need the little guys. The little guys are going to need the big guys. We need to do it together and work together more. And I think in a lot of respects, the industry does a nice job of uh, kind of collaborating. But at the same time, you segment out pretty easily and uh, you're naturally going to find those uh, that stratified market. Uh, the 120 cow producer is not going to be a prime target for an agribusiness company wanting to sell product. Uh, I, I'd be targeting some of my friends in other states that are milking 2,000 or 3,000 cows too. And uh, they're doing an amazing job and we need them. I just think we need it all. I just had to get my head around what we could do with our smaller farm. And that my first decision we had to make was to be able to concede the commodity milk business to know that we weren't going to be able to compete there efficiently. We mess around with cows too long. We keep them too long. Our call rates aren't high enough. Uh, We're we're not going to push them as hard just because we want the cow families to live as long as they can. And uh, we love, we love building on the, on the, you know, on those registered Holstein cow families. So uh, once we got into that, then you have to, get your head around uh, moving from commodity marketing to consumer marketing. That is a big shift. It just felt like there was an opportunity there because of the the place the dairy industry was, it still is. We're under a lot of pressure on animal, they call it animal welfare, we call it animal husbandry. And uh, old school terms, but that's how most of us practice it to these days. And uh, I just felt like there were some points we could connect with consumers on. and, uh, And once you take everybody out of the middle, You vertically integrate your operation like we have from production of milk through processing through distribution to sale. Uh, You are right front and center with either a highly acclaimed chef uh, at a notable restaurant, the hottest coffee shop in town, or the consumer themselves. And they've got a lot of questions. I like answering them. I like having those conversations, even though they may be a a little bit different uh, orientation than I am from from a lot of perspectives. Uh, They love Talking directly to farmers and dairy producers, and so uh, I enjoy that, and I learned that from showing cattle at state fairs. We all we all grew up, many of us that did showing cattle. And if you were at the state fair showing cattle, and uh, it was the afternoon, it was four o'clock, and you fired up the milk pump and started milking, you instantly had a crowd around you, of city folks that had never seen a cow milked. That I grew up in the '70s, and that was the best marketing experience I could have gotten, because you learned how at uh, age ten to talk to. Uh, Talk to, to folks that were interested in what you were doing. And uh, today, many people will call them dumb questions, but there's never a dumb question if they're standing there and interested in where their milk comes from. I got my marketing education really early in the barns at uh, state fairs. Uh, it's stuck with me ever since. I just want to put it into play now, later in, later in my life, but with a, with a brand. Hopefully, we'll get good brand engagement with consumers and get some traction with that and then be able to create some value.
0: And part of your brand building, I understand, is is the registered Holstein legacy and, and talking about the, the value, the pedigrees, the care that your registered Holsteins uh, have always had. Uh, yeah. how, how do you tie in the registered business with the consumer milk buyer? It's a great question.
1: And I think it's the secret to the strategy for us, at least. It's the more the magic at. We connect as animal lovers. Any registered Holstein breeder, any dairy producer, loves the cows. No matter your scale, you love working with the cows. Uh, if you're a purebred breeder, Holstein or any of the breeds, quite honestly, you're, you're you spend a lot of time with them. Uh, you do a lot of fitting, you do a lot of extra care, and then you get to shows, and you know you go crazy there. You're you connect with consumers as animal lovers, and I think the most important thing, at least the revelation for me early on in this was to understand the lens at which the consumer is uh, interpreting the dairy industry, evaluating it, and making conscious purchasing decisions of uh, their products, whether they're within the dairy category or some of the non-dairy alternatives they're growing market share fast. And that uh, is super important to understand that most consumers are viewing it through the lens of their companion animal experience. Right, wrong, or indifferent, not knowing what it's like to deal with a 1600 pound Holstein if she's down after calving with milk fever or doesn't matter. They've got a companion animal experience. They love that animal, whether it's a dog or a cat or some exotic breed or something else that they might have, but uh, they're applying those emotions as they evaluate our industry. While we can't, uh, we obviously don't acquiesce to everything that people expect from an animal care standpoint. Uh, there's a lot of common ground there that I think we can connect with with consumers uh we're finding success with that so far it's we still get our we still get our uh, uh, bomb throwers that come in uh, that uh, are strong vegans and opposing the dairy industry completely but uh, I think we've been able to manage those and uh, uh, we we are prepared as much as we can be for those. I just think that uh, we have to really connect with consumers uh, on the terms of their interest in animals and uh 99% of the time, the consumer loves what we're doing. They just want to know more about it, and uh, we just have to keep in mind that the lens that they're uh, viewing our industry, and uh, in our case, uh, the Rolling Lawns Farm brand, is uh, through their uh, emotions and love of their companion animals, dog, cat, or otherwise. That's that's a growing trend. Uh, people spend a lot of money on their companion animals, and they ex- expect the care to be universal, I guess, with uh, dairy farmers and what we do with our animals, but a lot of common ground there, and I think a lot we can build on just connecting with people uh, from the simple fact that we're all animal lovers.
0: Well, you mentioned your rolling lawns brand. Uh, Talk a little bit about your products, uh, how you got started processing, uh, how did you start to sell your product, and to whom? Talk a little bit about your your milk processing business.
1: Well, the farm uh, was started in 1910 by my great-grandfather. We talked about this 20 years ago, my dad and bro- my brother, before we lost him and years ago. It's kind of been in the back of our mind, but there's a lot of hurdles to do the vertical integration and get into processing. I got really interested in it in 2005, 2006. Started doing homework, but it took me 10 years to quit talking about it and start doing it. And we bottled our first milk in May of 2016. Uh, the St. Louis market is just 45 miles to the west of where our farm's located in southern Illinois. So we've got 3 million people. And uh, there really wasn't anyone else doing fluid milk in the area from a, from a small standpoint. Prairie Farms, our old co-op, fantastic co-op, does a great job taking care of the St. Louis market. There really wasn't any direct, uh, direct-to-consumer farm uh, brand out there for fluid. Uh, there are cheese, there's yogurt, uh, et cetera, but uh, no one was doing fluid. So it felt like it was worth the extra effort to go to grade A, which there is a lot of additional effort and uh, time and expense to go to grade A over manufacturing grade, which is what you do for cheese and ice cream. I had a couple of friends that were in the restaurant business. I met a couple of chefs and we could see that there was a uh, an opportunity for a brand, uh, a premium brand of product with uh, food service mostly fancy chefs and restaurants, but a lot of coffee shops, and they go through a lot of whole milk and coffee shops, uh, fancy ice cream places, and then bakeries. Bakeries love fresh products. So those are our four sec- sectors uh, within, within food service that we cater to. It's gonna be ultimately about uh, 50% of our business, with the rest being uh, either r- retail, grocery, or sales right here at our place in, in Greenville. So that's kind of how the market mix is set up, and we're working on growing that now. But uh, the best part is we've gotten a lot of traction with the uh, with the with the chefs, and uh, they love the product. So our product quality is being established by the biggest critics, the biggest power users in the St. Louis market. Great food scene in St. Louis. So our objective there was to earn credibility with the with the biggest influencers, and then they will help us extend our brand quality message to consumers because as we all know if we're having a nice meal that table side discussion between server and diner is very important and it's very much a part of a lot of these great restaurants uh, experience if you're there for two to three hours for a meal anytime our brand can get mentioned tableside uh, as a source for the butter the ricotta the alfredo if it's an italian place then uh, that's a feather in our cap and uh, means so much to us to earn you know earn the confidence of some of these great chefs i know that the, there's other dairies in the rest of the part of the country that are doing this and they're all have also having su- success with that so it was all about the influencer strategy
0: and i guess that sums it up joel when you talk about the, the quality product i'm sure that you know, low somatic cell count for sure, uh, and fresh. Are your, are your uh, blends, are, your, uh, are you doing whole milk, or any extra fortifications, or what is your product lineup?
1: Yeah, it's uh, straightforward, right? Uh, whole milk, 2%, skim milk, heavy cream, half and half, and uh, flavors. Uh, we got the staples for food service. And uh, I just listed those. And then I think for consumers, it's all about the indulgent products. And I think that's where the dairy industry is missing in general. Some big opportunity is to make the dairy case interesting again and to do it with indulgent products. Uh, A lot of on-farm processors in dairy are doing a wonderful chocolate milk. And uh, we tagged into that. I got my my recipe from some friends of ours that are dairy producers in uh, Central Valley of California like to thank Ron Locke and Top of the Morn Farms for that. Uh, Ron's in California. He wasn't worried what a dumb dairy farmer in Southern Illinois was doing. So he, he's been a great help to us. We borrowed Ron's recipe and we make a great chocolate milk. And that kind of uh, gets us, you know, gets us established with consumers in the grocery stores and at our place here in Greenville. And uh, we do strawberry and we just added cappuccino and orange cream. Got four more flavors in the queue. So it's all about the taste experience. People come into our shop in Greenville, it'll be sampling all day long. We we want them to have an experience. We want the kids to try something new, kids of all ages. And all that was inspired by the World of Coca-Cola Museum and experience down in Atlanta, Georgia. We've been to visit that on a family vacation. uh, You can go into the Coca-Cola Museum and Center and uh, taste uh, flavors that Coca-Cola makes all over the world. There's about 120, if I remember right. But uh, you can go continent by continent and experience the beverages that Coca-Cola sells all over the world. It's just such an amazing experience and engaging activity uh, that kind of culminates the tour that uh, we wanted to do something simple, similar uh, here at uh, here at the Milk House, which is our processing plant and cafe in uh,
0: Greenville. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about that facility. I know when you started, you had mentioned that the St. Louis Market and and delivery to stores or even consumers was kind of your target, but now you have a facility in in Greenville. Tell us about that Most of the time we, we, we approached
1: the development process like most do and that's to put an on-farm facility uh, near the near the cows. That's where we were headed. We were had gone through the bid process and close to breaking ground on a 12,000 square foot facility which has a modest size to get done what we need to get done. In Greenville, which is seven miles away, uh, there was a 25,000-square-foot building that was sitting empty uh, constructed in 2009, but the company went uh, out of business in 2014. 25,000 feet seemed like it was um, way too big, about twice as big as what we needed. But when we started thinking about the location, which is one mile off of Interstate 70, uh, one of the busy interstate systems in in the country, uh, gave us a great location to draw folks from uh, passing through from off the interstate. And then from a local community standpoint, we we just felt like we could have a pretty good foundation of, of clientele right here in Greenville and surrounding area. So we went ahead and made the decision to buy that building uh, three years ago this week in July of 2017. Promptly started cutting concrete out, which uh, the town folks thought we were crazy because it uh, required uh, required a lot of drainage to put in processing facility. So uh, we cut a quarter of the concrete out of the building and started over. I have built out the processing facility and it's kind of laid out like a craft brewery. Uh, Any of us have been in one of those where you can kind of see what the activity and what's going on. It feels like a working facility, but it's all visible and super neat and clean and uh, lots of stainless steel. And no matter what producers, we've all got a lot of stainless steel around in in our own on our farms. We use a lot in the processing facility. So a lot of stainless, and then on the other side of the wall, we have uh, about six thousand feet for a cafe. Uh, ice cream uh, will be a prominent feature. Do coffee in the morning, and uh, just kind of, just kind of welcome folks from about six a.m. till ten p.m. at night, and that's in development. We're not fully open on that
0: front yet, but uh, getting close. And I expect, from a decorative standpoint, you've got pictures of some of your good cows and. Probably uh, historic photos of your family and old-time facilities from days gone by.
1: Yeah, I'm um, glad you brought that up. Uh, we've got a few photos on on our Facebook page and on on our Google site, but uh, we just used all old barn wood and old tin from uh, barns we took down on our farm and some old mortise and tenon beams that uh, we saved from a barn we had to take down in the late 70s and uh, we had saved those, and uh, we're, we're able to use a lot of that, and it's uh, very popular right now, and Rustic is in. It's got a direct story as it comes from, from our farm, and I guess the thing I'm most excited about, a, t- a 12 by 28 foot wall, is going to, uh, you know, we're in the process of getting this finalized and imprinted, but it'll, you it, know, our p- particular cow family that. Uh, is the longest running in our farm is the Zerview Marcus Gay cow. Uh, my dad bought a bred heifer in 1969. She ended up being a foundation animal for our herd. We can trace Zerview Marcus Gay's family back to 1883, thanks to the Holstein Association and all of our registration papers and, and breed records. 1883, the heifer came over on the boat from Friesland. We've got that family tree ready to go up on the wall from 1883 all the way to modern to present day. Uh, every generation, so ancestry.com for cows, I guess. Uh, it, it's just one of those things that we don't think about. We talk cow families, we talk about matings, and uh, it's all there. And all of us have got them if we're you know, if we've got some registered lines in our herd. It's all in Brattleboro, and they've been amazingly helpful. to Get, the, get that pedigree put together. I think when we get it up there and we start telling the story about how well we know these these animals, uh, cow families, I think they're going to trust us that we're doing a good job taking care of our animals. That's that's what they'll find if they come out to the farm for a tour, obviously. I want the walkaway effect to be, it's like this dairy farmer knows more about this cow family than I know about my own. And that's certainly true for me. I do not, I I, I don't get much further than my great-grandfather's uh you know, maybe 1850, and that's it. It's just going to be fun to put a cow family up there. A lot of photos and uh, stories of the Zerbe Marcus Gay family uh, through uh, today, and we've got four generations of this cow family alive right now on the farm. So uh, they can come out and visit them and, and meet those meet those uh, animals if uh, if they so choose. And a good Illinois bred family, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. The Zer family from Graymont, uh Illinois, uh, close friends and they they have been ever since but a cow brought us together and we've been friends for 50 years i think a lot of us in the dairy industry and the purebred industries uh, have those have those relationships and friendships and uh, the Zare family is uh, you know just very close to us and so it's fun to be able to tell that story and the the Zare family story will be
0: part of this display in the milk house i can't wait to see it i look forward to uh, traveling i70 in your neighborhood we'd love to have you Michael as we wrap up just a little bit of business uh, are you processing all the milk that your 100 120 cow herd produces and how many employees are you working with uh, in your in your processing business as well as uh, maybe some of the retail aspects
1: we're about 30 days away from using being 100% utilized uh, that's when we just got our ice cream set up approved yesterday by the state while it is mid mid July we're uh, we're going to get into the ice cream business. COVID-19 set, set us all back in some way. And uh, for us, it was just a delay on uh, on what ice cream was going to do and when we were going to bring it out, because we didn't know when we were going to be able to sell it. So we got an idea now, and uh, that's going to be ready to go in about three weeks. Once we kick that batch freezer on making ice cream, then we'll use all our milk. So then we'll be about 60% wholesale milk sales, about 20% ice cream. And and then we're getting into some of the things that the fan, the chefs want. They want buttermilk, and they uh, they they love the heavy cream for butter. So we're going to try and get into that. That'll take care of the production from our farm. I, I hope we need to I need more cows or need to solve something, but we're we'll take that one step at a time. We've got about six people working in the plant part time uh, for two and three are full time, and myself and. Then the retail side is where we'll have to bring folks on, but that's going to take three people or about uh, two shifts and uh, seven days a week. We're dairy farmers. We work every day, so we're going to be open every day. We were open 4th of July, had a huge day. I never knew people wanted to buy milk on 4th of July, but we had a great day and had a lot of fun seeing people. So you may, you figure it out as you go. This is uh, it's, it's intimidating. It has been for me at least. I know that there's a lot of opportunity out there for other farms that they'd want to give this a go because there's been so much amazing response from consumers to just know a dairy farmer and then be able to ask somebody directly, and I get questions every day. I just think it's a great opportunity for us to talk directly to consumers, and they want to talk to us, and hopefully that the the environment's right, that that's a positive conversation, and 99.9% of the time it is, so thankful for that, and really uh, honored to be part of an industry with so many amazing people. Again, we all got to do our part, and it's going to take all of us, scale, uh, boutique to to big. We're we're, uh, honored to be playing our small part of that, and hopefully we will be for some
0: time. Well, Michael, I really appreciate your story. Uh, I'm delighted that we only had to mention that uh, virus once. In spite of the reliance on food service, we didn't need to go there too much, although I expect there's been some challenges there in the past couple of months. Yeah,
1: the restaurant business went way off, and uh, thankfully, the the grocery business went way up, as we all know. All of a sudden, uh, we had an essential essential staple product, which uh, we know we do and will always be there for uh, for consumers. Our whole industry will be. There's always milk on the shelves when everybody's worried about the next. Ice storm or snowstorm in the winter, we're out there doing our thing. All of us are. We we've made it through the through the early stages of this uh, crisis pretty well. Thankful to be in a business
0: that people appreciate. Well, it's a great story, and we'll look forward to uh, staying in touch with you as your business continues to evolve. Michael, this has uh, been a great conversation. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. I think your view of uh, animal care and the importance of milk is is really inspiring these days particularly
1: well i appreciate that Joel we do a things right out there i just think the platforms there for us to share that where uh, where there's time and it's appropriate and people are interested and uh, we still got a majority of the people behind
0: us and uh, let's we'll hopefully make the most of that going forward with uh, with our whole industry well in closing uh, i want to thank you michael turley for spending time with us it's been a real pleasure for sure For Dairy Voice, I'm your host, Joel Hastings at dairybusiness.com.